3: John Copenhaver, and Al
0: Warren. Good on Houston, 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside,
3: and 1050
1: AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. On the other side of the country, we have David North Martino.
3: Oh, you used my full name.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, we're kind of getting into that because, you know, we got the serial killer thing going on. So I'm Oh, perfect. Wanted to, I wanted to make sure that, you know, you fit right in there, you know. Yes, I do. Mr. Going out to the
3: movie theaters.
1: Did you have to wear a mask and all that, too? Like, were you guys all?
3: Um, you had to when you walked in. And then you could take it down when you were eating and stuff when you were watching the movie. You're not allowed to eat. <laughs> what do you mean eating you so, popcorn
1: you, popcorn yeah and butter on it right
3: um i don't think we put butter on it
1: I think oh we please kept
3: it, i think we just kept it plain no extra butter you I had mean, some water
1: comes with butter water please
3: no extra butter no extra. you butter. had whiskey you had an apple well dessert, i had right um yes apple crisp but did have ice cream so why I had did you take it? milk pills yeah why didn't I told you to have salad with dressing on the side? I had swordfish with um, uh, roasted uh, uh, whatever. Yeah, I it saw that. Like lots of
1: butter and all that oh, stuff. On no. I could see it. <laughs> you were dieting, and you you're out having pop, popcorn with butter, and you're having <laughs> apple crisp dessert with ice cream. This is this is <laughs> a cheat day. Well, I don't, I'm not talking about the money here. You're in the money. We know that. No, but cheat, I, cheat, cheat, <laughs> cheat. I was cheating. Well, when did you stop cheating? Well, <laughs> That's true. Okay. I mean, I've, how many days did you... I'm giving <laughs> you. I know what's going on over there. I see it. You do. I do. I'm I'm, I'm watching, you know. Never took <laughs> me to the me movie. Keep me honest. Yeah. Never take me to the movie. I go <laughs> too far. Well, that's too bad. I'll, I'll send a plane. <laughs> Yeah, send your jet. Send my Uh, jet out, send the jet down. Send your jet and pick me up, you know.
3: (laughs) The rose jet.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) See, you got it made. Well, anyway, so we are continuing um, interviewing a lot of authors, and uh, today... We've got I, we we've had him on uh, years ago. He was doing a uh, true crime at that time. And that's what we had him on for a true crime book. Um, so now he's got a legal thriller and he's got all sorts of stuff going on. You know, we've got a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of catching up here. So, um, welcome to the show, Mr. R. Barry Flowers.
2: Well, thank you. Happy to be back. House of Mystery.
1: Yeah, we are. We are in a mystery. If you're a writer, you live in the House of Mystery.
2: Right. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
1: So uh, I tell you, so last time you were doing uh, True Crime, and uh, now you've kind of gone into this thriller. Maybe you always have. I just didn't realize it. So um, do you like writing both? Uh, Yes,
2: I do. I do like writing both. True Crime is... The good thing about True Crime is that it's true. The truth is stranger than fiction, as they say. So I like the idea of being able to delve into real life crimes and uh, the whole process from uh, the criminality t- taking place to the police investigation and the ultimate capture, hopefully, of the culprit and then the trial, conviction, imprisonment. So that is great. And there's a huge group of true crime fans out there that can't get enough of it. They watch those Uh, reality, true crime, uh, documentaries on TV, investigation, discovery, and such, and they just really eat it up. But then there's also another group of fans of thriller fiction that they want their, they want it to have some of the same true crime element, but they want to believe that it's just make believe, that it's something that is from a safe distance, if you will, through fiction. And so I uh, tend to rotate back and forth between the two, and it's been interesting. keeps me on my feet.
1: (laughs) Oh, I bet. I I guess there's a certain amount of freedom doing uh, a legal thriller or a crime fiction as compared to a true crime, because true crime, you have to go out and find out what people are doing and how they did it, and you're just kind of reporting on it, whereas... The uh, this legal thriller, you're kind of creating all the crimes. So it's your way of committing crimes without doing Right, it.
2: without getting caught or having to deal with the ultimate price.
1: <laughs> how do you put this together? So your new book, Exposed Evidence, um, and this is a Jessica Frost legal thriller. So yes. let's talk about this. So how did you create Jessica Frost? Like, who is she?
2: Well, Jessica Frost is a criminal defense attorney. Um, I started with this concept of a co-ed being caught red-handed holding a murder weapon legally, uh, literally, I should say, over a dead body. And how I might broaden that into a tall legal thriller with various twists and turns before we really get to the basic question, is she or is she not guilty of murder? And so that's the whole essence of this story and, uh, Jessica Frost is the attorney that's hired by this co-ed, Stephanie Dozier, who's accused of murdering her roommate, college roommate, uh, stabbing her to death, and is caught holding a murder weapon when the police arrive. So all signs point toward guilt. And then it's up to Jessica Frost to Disprove this, and suggest that all may not be what it seems, or it may be that'll be the million-dollar question.
1: (laughs) So, how did you create Jessica Frost, like her character, and do you do you kind of um, take someone that you see on television, or do you see, or do people you know, um, like how is it that you kind of make? Her tick, like, and make her characteristics, and and what kind of a person she is, and how she talks and acts—is that all uh, completely just out of you, or is it uh, different people you know?
2: I'd say that Jessica Frost is a combination of both fiction, just uh, the creative juices flowing, and attorneys that I've spoken to over the years for uh, true crime research that have impressed me in their commitment to the task of either defense attorneys or prosecution. And so, you know, using some of that, keeping those people in mind over the years have helped me to create this character that's a uh, straight and narrow attorney that's also... Um, willing to take risk to achieve the end game that she seeks, which in this case is trying to prove that her client is innocent, a first-degree murder. Uh, So that's how I created Jessica Frost, and I think that she's a very intriguing character, and that uh, readers will gravitate around her as she pursues her job which is to defend her client. I
3: was wondering, uh, can you hear Jessica in your head when uh when you're writing her? Um how do you
2: create her voice? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh yes, actually I can't hear her in my head when I'm uh creating a character dialogue and such. Um I just uh I think it just comes natural over the years I've been writing for a long time now, uh, approaching 40 years. <laughs> so wow. I've been writing uh, fiction and nonfiction for a very long time. And so it just sort of comes natural at this point for each book, uh, especially fiction. And so I think she just uh, came to me the moment the character is created, then I could hear her even as I move through the process of writing the book. Over 40 years, you
1: must hear a lot of voices now. Yes. <laughs> How do you know yes, it was real? Think, right. <laughs> you know, do you walk down the road and people think, well, who's he
2: talking to? <laughs> yes, I have to uh, try to uh, keep a proper perspective uh, so that I can separate all that from real life. Whether it's fiction or nonfiction, uh, try not to uh, take it too seriously. Have fun doing it and uh, try to keep the characters real, as real as possible, uh, but also step away from the whole process of writing whenever I'm able to just enjoy regular life.
1: But what do you like writing better? Is it fiction or nonfiction?
2: Uh, fiction, definitely. For nonfiction, uh, I've written, in addition to true crime, I've written a lot of criminology books. And while they both have their place in society, uh, they, you have to follow certain guidelines to, uh, for accuracy or, and for research and uh, validation. Whereas for fiction, you can get the creative juices flowing, imagination working for you and you can just use some of the things you know in life. In my case, I'm able to use my criminology background and true crime to enhance the credibility of the characters and the plot in my novels. So it's a win-win for me in that respect. And it allows me to stress the boundaries so much you could say for fiction that you can't do with non fiction. Whether it's true crime or criminology, you you know got to be on the mark of something that is not just credible but real. Whereas for mystery and thriller fiction, it can seem real, but it still is fictional. But the trick is to be able to write great thrillers that still seems real, as opposed to thrillers that have little credibility to a reader as being something that could really happen.
1: Hmm, it's interesting, you know. But it, it, I, I've written some true crime myself. When you when you write it, a lot of times, or well, for me anyway, I should say, when I write it. Um, I find that when I'm covering a story, I kind of try to make a point with it um, and what happened in the case. So do you, do you do the same and do you, and do you do that with your fiction as well? Are you trying to um, get a certain point across? Like when, if I read exposed evidence at the end of it, other than the surface story of what happens to the character and, and what Jessica Frost does to get her, her person off and, and what goes on. Um, is there also an underlying s- subject or point you're trying to get across to the reader?
2: Yes, actually, I think in this case, um, I'm trying to not only tell the story, but show some of the complexities of the criminal justice system itself and how People can be accused of something that may or may not be guilty, but a lot of it can depend on everything from police discretion to attorneys that may have their own agenda. For example, the prosecutor that Jessica's up against, she's seeking higher office, and that is coloring her own perspective of the case. So she sees the case as a stepping stone toward her own higher aspirations, and as a result, she may not see things as clearly as she should because she's so determined to get a conviction. And then uh, also, I a side plot to the story, but still instrumental, is that the victim was part of a group of co-eds who were seducing married college professors, and then blackmailing them afterward to keep it a secret. So that's another twist in the plot that uh, could have a bearing on the final outcome. But it also, in this case, I was hoping to show that even if something may be apparent, just to the naked eye, there may be underlying factors that has to be delved into before you reach a final conclusion.
1: I also noticed that you you write under a pseudoname of uh, Devin Vaughn Archer. And that is for, um, it looks like uh, more mainstream romance, young adult novels and stuff. Uh, why why the other names? Do you just not want to get them kind of cross mixed, or uh, why is that?
2: Uh, that's a great question, too. Well, uh, when I first started uh, using Devin Bon Archer more than a decade ago, actually, uh, the editor, who was an editor at Harlequin Publishing at the time, she wanted to try some male romance writers. They didn't have very many. They still don't with Harlequin and so she felt that my name, R. Barry Flowers, uh, Barry ending with an I, was too ambiguous as to whether I was male or female. So she wanted me to have a male name that left no doubt that the writer was male. And so between her and me, we came up with Devin Barn archer <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: there you go. Yeah, Flowers isn't exactly a uh doesn't sound, yeah, or Berry Flowers. Yeah, it's, it's unusual. That's an unusual name even to write uh, killer books,
2: you know, and crime. <laughs> uh, that is true, yes. Uh, but uh, fortunately, uh, once they actually read the books themselves, then that takes center stage uh, beyond my own name. And then, of course, I've also been on uh, some TV uh Documentaries like on Investigation, Discovery, and Biography Channel. And so I've gotten to talk um, about some different true crimes and serial killers and the like that has identified me as a true crime writer and a person that's an expert on criminality and serial killers in particular.
1: Yeah, yeah that's pretty interesting. Um, Did you, did you, um, what made you get into it? That's that's the way I should go. Um, what made you start doing this like 40 years ago?
0: Well, I graduated from. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: I'm Michigan State University with a master's and bachelor's in criminal justice. And I had my thesis published, my very first book. And uh, having always had the writer within me, I... That was seemed like a natural, uh, follow up to graduating with degrees in criminal justice to start writing, uh, books in criminal justice and, uh, true crime as a result of that. So I started off writing criminology books for a number of years and then that evolved into true crime. And then from that I moved into mystery and thriller fiction. And I've been doing them all ever since.
1: <laughs> well, it has been a long time, too. How long does it take
2: you to write a book? Uh, I'd say about four months for a novel, maybe more like six or seven months for a criminology book or to crime.
1: What kind of process do you have? Are you, are you the type of guy that can sit down and write eight hours a day and every day? Or can you say, well, I've got this amount of time I will write? Can you just sit down and turn it on and write, or do you have to be in a particular mood?
2: Uh, well, I pretty much write every single day of the year, uh, about six to eight hours every day, and uh, I have a routine. I just get up um, around six o'clock, and uh, by seven, I have my computer, and I do that on a daily basis if I – uh, when I'm not writing at all, if I, you know, I'm caught up and I have a little time apart from the writing, I can easily move away from it and do other things without uh, feeling the hankering to jump back into the fire, so to speak. But when I am working on something, I'm solely devoted to that and will stick it out uh from beginning to end
1: when you i notice some of you've got you get series of books too like murder and hawaii's mysteries and the five book bundle and stuff when you do a series and even this jessica frost legal thriller um this is a character that you'll reuse um how is it that you you keep track of everything and and you outline these stories ahead of time
2: yes i do actually uh, so that you have some sense of direction. Um, I like to map it out as to what, like in this case, Jessica Frost will be doing next, once what's the next uh, big case after this. And then uh, similarly with other series, I try to have it all outlined uh, either in my head or on paper so that I have a good, sense of where I'm going with it. Like, I have a series, in fact, with Harlequin Intrigue, uh that will be, it's a four book series. This takes place all four of the books in Hawaii, on the, uh, each one on a different island. And so uh, I have two of them coming out this year, uh, The Big Island Killer and Kidnapped on Hawaii in September and October, respectively, and each one has to do with a law enforcement uh, protagonist going after some criminals, of one type or another, and then trying to solve the case. Um, but I have to have a handle on where I'm going in advance with these books so that I can, for one, I have to sell it to the publisher that way. They like to know in advance themselves where you're going with your idea. No matter how great the idea may sound, just uh, in theory, they want you to show what you get. Show your cards. And so, which I like to do anyway, because I want to know where I'm going as well, then uh, plot my strategy in advance so it will all flow smoothly from that point on.
3: Well, I was wondering, you know, you... Uh Although you outline, I was wondering, are you in complete control of your characters, or have you ever had a character kind of refuse to go along with that outline, with that plot, and maybe do something that surprised you?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I have had characters that I had one idea on the character and the character's personality and circumstances, and then almost as though the character had a mind of, his or her own, uh, I found things shifting from my original concept to a whole different set of dynamics for the character that I had to work with, almost as though it was writing itself. I was just (laughs) a (laughs) go-between.
3: Do you have to uh, revise your outline, or do you you just go from – Wherever the character is going to take you from that.
2: Point. I usually just go with wherever the character takes me, and then make the adjustments accordingly. Mm. Do you
1: have a favorite writer yourself, or someone that you uh, you like to read, or any other influences besides writers?
2: I've liked a lot of uh, writers over the years um, in all uh, genres. Uh, Sydney Sheldon. Uh, Mickey Spillane, Dasha Hammett, and uh, Daniel Still, really numerous uh, authors. But then I've also been influenced by other people uh, like Cesar Lombroso, uh, who was a criminologist way back when. And uh, just uh, basically, I'm anyone that can succeed in their endeavors in life, whatever their lot may be, it leaves an impression on me because I think that uh, anyone who really applies oneself can find success. And so I'm always inspired by such individuals, whatever they may be doing in their lives.
1: If someone had never never read any of your books before, um, which one book would you uh, tell them to read?
2: Uh, that is a great question. <laughs> um, I would have to say um, a historical thriller I wrote a few years ago called Dark Streets of Whitechapel. And it actually is a fictional account of Jack the Ripper, only it has the Ripper originating from America and escaping to London in 1888. And then it, uh, as opposed to when we hear about Jack the Ripper, in general, we just think of him as a mad serial killer, which he was, uh, killing five prostitutes in a brutal fashion. But in the case of my novel, I tried to humanize him a bit well, he still commits the crime, but then I have him find a love interest. And then at the same time, I have a detective that's pulling out all the stops to catch him, uh, stop him in his tracks. So I love that story, and it gave me the opportunity to write my first historical novel and to dig into some of the ins and outs of life in Victorian England and in America as well at that time. And so I really like that book, and I think that other people who are uh, fans of historical fiction as well as serial killer thrillers will find that a good read.
1: With, with the COVID and everything going on lately, have you had any issues with writing yourself? Uh, You mean with respect to COVID? Yeah, like, you know, with all the stress and the tension and people and being locked down and all the different things going on, uh, does that sort of affect your writing?
2: Uh, Well, that is also a good question. Uh, Well, that hasn't affected my writing per se. In fact, in some ways it's uh, made me more focused on writing because of the restraints on society with the COVID and the lockdowns uh, last year and uh, all the twists and turns of this deadly pandemic, it's sort of forced me to really have more time than I would have normally had to focus, especially last year when uh, the way things were going in the country was hard to get out at all. And so that just... Had me really hunker down in my office and really focus on my stories and getting them done. I ended up writing four books last year as a result. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as the overall, with the uh, coronavirus, it certainly has had an impact on all of us. I think to one degree or another, and it's uh, it's just an unfortunate thing that we've all had to deal with the first time, I guess, in a century, something similar to this. And so, uh, it if nothing else, I think it causes all, all of us to take stock in our lives and you know, see what's important and what isn't with 800-plus uh, thousand people dead in this country alone from this killer virus. Uh, it's suddenly been a wake-up call that you have to have your affairs in order and know know what's important and what isn't in the final analysis and uh, try to make the most of what you're doing in life, what makes you happy, and uh, don't put off too long for tomorrow what you could do today. You you mentioned uh, writing historical fiction,
3: and I was just wondering You know, do you have a process by which you get into into the mind of a historical character?
2: Uh, Well, mainly I just uh, try to study the time frame that I'm writing about so that I can have a good handle on the dynamics of that time and the Mm. types of things people went to. It's really an interesting process when you're writing historical fiction because you don't have the uh, contemporary setting where you know everything that's going on today and you can write your books in that regard, but for historical fiction, you have to know about the time frame and the customs, uh, clothing, the way the criminal justice system works in my case for, uh, dark streets of Whitechapel. And so you, in the types of, you know, weapons people may have used there, the bad guys and the good guys. Uh, so you have to be more committed to understanding the surroundings so that you can make your story credible. And that includes uh, dialogue is important. A lot of the things that we say routinely today in America, uh, they didn't say in the, 18, the 1880s in America or England. So if it's going to be a credible book, especially for those people who are historians that are reading it, you have to make sure you've done your homework so that you can have a storyline that fits with the time. That you're writing about. Wow! Um,
1: now, so what do you got coming up next? Like, what, what's what what can we expect from Barry in the next little while? Uh, well, I have
2: two uh, crime thrillers coming from Harlequin Intrigue: uh, The Big Island Killer and uh, kidnapped on Kauai. These will be coming out in September and October, back-to-back months this year. And then um, I have another book right now uh, that just came out this very month from Harlequin Intrigue called Chasing the Violet Killer. Uh, right now, and I'm the only male author, actually, with Intrigue in the modern era. They had some years ago, I was told, but haven't had any in recent memory. So, uh, I'm trying to pave the way for other male authors who can, uh, write some great romantic suspense and crime thrillers for this series. Um, but, uh, this uh, I think is a great book for me that I hope that readers will take a look at. This one involves a, series, a secret service agent who witnesses her uncle being murdered during a video chat. And so this draws her back to her small hometown in Oregon for his funeral. And then at the same time, she gets involved with trying to help solve the case. Um, and she's working with her ex-boyfriend, who happens to be a homicide detective, that's working on the case. That involves a serial killer called the Violet Killer because he leaves a single Violet, uh, in the mouths of his victims, his calling card. <laughs> and so, uh, that is, uh, the essence of this storyline. And I think that, uh, people that are interested in serial killer fiction will find Chasing the Violet Killer a great lead. And those who like a nice, uh, tense legal thriller, exposed evidence which suddenly hit the mark.
1: Well, that's it. for You know, Dave will like that. He's into that tense. <laughs> <and> stuff. <laughs> and, you know. uh, so, do you have a website now people can come find you on, or how do you like
2: to ww dot Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. www.rberryflowers.com And then I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and even uh, Wikipedia as well. You type up my name, you'll see my page there. Get some other information on some of my books over the years and Fantastic. TV appearances.
1: Yeah, yeah, quite a few. We will have all that up on our website as well so that people can find you if they don't remember or if they're listening, they can just do one click and uh, off to find you. So Great, um, that sounds good. Yeah, so now the book to buy is called Exposed Evidence, and it's a Jessica Frost legal thriller. And our guest is the author, R. Barry Flowers.
2: Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Uh, It was great to be here again, and I look forward to coming back again in the future as well.
3: Thanks, Barry.
0: Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews.